You're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. This show is a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. So good afternoon and welcome to Real People OC. I am your host, Kimberly Martin, and I get the pleasure of coming in each and every week and meeting Orange County's best and brightest. It's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, You guys come in all different forms, and I have to tell you, I really love it when groups of folks or individuals reach out and say, hey, Kimberly, I, you know, I think you need to hear about this person, or I think you need to hear about me, (laughs) or I think you need to hear about us or this group or whatever's going on. We have so many interesting things happening in county life right now. It's a fascinating uh, hour that we share with you to share uh, some of some of our more more unique individuals. So today, I get the pleasure of speaking with an on campus chapter of Toastmasters. And one of their members, their sergeant at arms, Luke Avedon, contacted me and said, hey, I think you need to know about our chapter. And so I'm, I'm interested because, listen, the summertime is a great time to, A, pick up a new skill. You don't have time during your busy semester to add to your skill set. You're too busy doing the mainstream stuff to build your life. And students don't oftentimes, or even individuals that have kids. I mean, I know for me, I don't pick up anything during the school year, not because I'm in school, but because my family's in school. And um, it's a great time to bone up on a new skill. So it's it's just the, the rhythm of life is different and just, just a good time. So public speaking is one of those more daunting things that we take on in our lives. And I, you know, I don't know, I, it's been so long since I've done public speaking, I don't even remember. I, I think it'd be a skill that I've actually kind of lost. I don't even remember... Um, what it was like, but I do remember that the crowds were getting bigger as I did more and more public speaking. And yeah, the nerves, they, they climb and your voice starts to shake. And <laughs> weird, pretty scary. Weird, pretty scary stuff. weird things start to happen. So I thought it'd be a great time to um, honor Luke's request to say, hey, let's talk about uh, Zot Speak Toastmasters, which is the UCI Toastmaster group here on campus. They are not just open to students. We have um, we represent uh, three different walks of life here on campus life. We have um, a staff member here at UCI. We have a student here at UCI and a member of the business community. So I want to introduce our guest today. Adrian Haymond is um, a staff here at UCI. Adrian, welcome. Thank you. And um, also we have uh, Siona Bagdasarian. Siona is a student here at UCI. Thank you, Kimberly. Good, good to have you. And then Luke Avedon, who really kind of called this meeting with us. And uh, Luke is a local business business owner. He owns uh, Avedon Sales, which is a local wholesale liquidation business. So, hey, welcome. Very kind of you to have us. Thank you so much, Kimberly. It's our we pleasure. Really appreciate it. It's our pleasure. We we aim to please here at KUCI. <laughs> <laughs> well, not really. Sometimes we really like to annoy, but um, <laughs> but that's important too in community life. It's just to stimulate the discussion. Um, okay. So why is public speaking so hard? I mean, somebody's got to tell me why, as humans, when we get up in a bunch of a front in front of a bunch of people that look just like us, why do we freak out? I think public speaking is the most terrifying thing in the world. It's truly more frightening than dying. There's been times when I've been driving and I was positive I was going to die, <laughs> and I just became very, very calm and peaceful. But before giving a speech, I'm not calm and peaceful at all. I'm unbelievably terrified. But luckily, it is a skill you can learn. You can get over your fears. I think 
probably the reason we're so afraid of public speaking is, you know, we kind of evolved as humans in these really small communities, and it wasn't an accepted thing to go out to another tribe and make them an offer or say hi or or make a speech to them because you would probably be killed. So I think <laughs> our brains kind of don't like the idea of speaking. That's just my theory. Maybe there's others. What about you, Adrian? Do you have a theory why it's difficult? It's very interesting because... You raise a very interesting conundrum. You have one area where people are social creatures and they speak to each other. But as you said, the bigger the crowd becomes, the more nervous you end up being. And part of that is, I think, the idea in the back of your head that these people are not going to listen to me. They're (laughs) going to throw things at me or they're going to boo me or any type any one of a number of types of weird things that can happen to you. So you tend to try to stay away from the areas where you're not very comfortable comfortable at. And when you're dealing with public speaking, you're dealing with speaking with a lot of people to get them to understand what you're talking about. Not necessarily the easiest thing to do. So it's really about us and our own our own sense of maybe inadequacy, do you think? Absolutely. Because in most cases, you find out that after you speak, then people are generally receptive to who you are and what you're talking about. All they want to do is hear what you're saying. But it's our fears that we have to overcome. And that's really what all Zotspeak Toastmasters is about. You're conquering your, your feelings of fear and anxiety in order to bring forth the message that someone is going to be bettered by. So you really like the preschool of public speaking in a way. You let people work out all their social issues early on in their career, and they they can hammer it out with, you know, blocks and bricks and books (laughs) and pillows. In a Uh, sense. In a sense, yes. Absolutely. I I had a lot of problems, especially all throughout my 20s, being afraid of public speaking. But one thing that's really amazing when you give speeches is people actually think that you know something because you're doing something other people are too afraid to do. So if you give a speech in a business context or in any field that you're interested in, it automatically puts you as the expert up there on the podium. And people gravitate towards that because they don't think that they can do it, even if they've never expressed that they're afraid of speaking. They are attracted to people who can do that. And it's a very, very powerful thing. Interesting. Now, Siona, you're a student here at UCI. What made you decide that you wanted to do some, let's, let's just call this the, the, um, the gym, you know, this is the workout place where you work out all of your issues um, for public speaking. What made you want to join a Toastmasters? Well, I have to say that uh, for students um, like myself, um, that we're not, I'm, I'm not a native speaker, and I immigrated here, um, I, have to, I have to encounter not only a language barrier, but also have to uh, be confident enough to communicate with people every day. And um, yes, it helped me not only as an undergraduate and taught me um, more than a, a public speaker, but um, taught me leadership skills as well. Um, and um, um, I really found amazing um, experiences. And one of the amazing um, things that I learned from uh, Toastmaster Club is that it's a place that um, it's a free of judgment. So you just stand there 
um, talk and nobody will judge you. And that's how you learn. You practice. The more you practice, the more you learn um, out of talking um, in public. So how can you convince me that nobody's there to judge you? Because <laughs> I think that's <laughs> well, probably one of the hardest things yes. about it is where the fear comes maybe, right? I would, when you're coming to a Toastmasters meeting, everyone greets you. And there are smiles all around, which, of course, puts you at ease. And when you are speaking, people are genuinely interested in what you have to say. They're not picking their fingers and they're not throwing things around. They're actually listening to you. They're there willingly. They're, will- and, they're there not- willingly. They're not held at gunpoint. They're not saying, oh, my goodness, I got to be here. But they want to be there and they want to listen and they want to cheer you. So every speech gets a rousing ovation. Every speech. Whether it was good or not? Whether it was good or not. Because mm-hmm. good becomes subjective. What we do is that we never say this is a bad speech. We say this is a speech and here are things that you can do to improve your speech. So there's always feedback from the speech. And that's fine. Hmm. We're big believers in applause. We're sort of addicted to applause. We anyone I thought it was pretty bizarre how much applause is going on (laughs) when I first joined when you go into a meeting pretty much every possible thing that happens is always uh, met with constant applause and encouragement and it it rubs off on people because it thinks okay I can do no wrong this is a safe place I'm encouraged no matter what I say I don't think we've ever booed or hissed anyone Never. <laughs> so I like how in your bio, each of you have a little bit of biographical information you supplied to me. But in uh, Luke's statement, he says he's an entrepreneur that has destroyed a couple of businesses due to an extreme fear of public speaking. Yes, I had a construction and real estate business in Roswell, New Mexico. Oh, geez. And a very bizarre place. But we would, during the real estate crash, uh, we would buy up distressed properties and we go to all these great lengths to acquire them and then we would fix them up and rent them out for above market returns and try to sell them to investors but i was so shy and afraid of everyone and really when you're in business it's your job to get the message out to hustle to sell to communicate with uh, other beings is the hardest thing to do so I threw myself. How many into th- other beings were you dealing with in Roswell? So I employed about four. I don't know. You kind of opened yourself up for right. that one. I'm sorry. Four I can people. see why I'd be nervous talking in front of aliens. Right, right, right. That's true. I always forget. It, they might just shoot you. That weird, could be yeah. a weird place. It's funny. Uh, during some of the disasters I caused, when the city would condemn our properties, they would put up on the city notice saying, you know, the government is doing whatever. Uh, they had little pictures of aliens and UFOs on all government documents, city documents in Roswell. It's very, very just strange. Just to be funny place. or to be It was kitschy? just kind of a, a pride, lo- big local pride, the alien thing. Uh, the McDonald's was in the shape of a flying saucer, for example. Oh, I mean, we could do a whole show on yeah, your a, career in Roswell. A really, <laughs> really gracious. weird place. But I threw myself into construction and, and all the, the nitty uh, details because I was too afraid to go out there to speak to groups to talk to other people, and I was terrible at construction. There was many people who were much better at it. Um, so if I had those skills together, uh, it would have been much, much, much better. So eventually that business was destroyed, and I had to liquidate it, which is what got me into the liquidation business. Interesting. But you you directly attribute that to your lack of an ability to talk to people. 
Absolutely. Which is so funny because, I mean, obviously my experience of you is so different now. You're so confident and, That's very you know, you, uh, yeah, but I, I wouldn't. All an act. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's because you have your fellow Toastmasters with you that you're no, comfortable speaking. Yeah, You're very afraid? You're, you're afraid right now? We're all actors here. <laughs> we are anyway, right? But, I do notice that radio does bring out another element of nervousness with people. It's one of the reasons why right. I stopped making you all wear the headphones because then you'd really feel alien in the environment. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a very scary thing. I, you know, for any student on campus, go to Toastmasters or do something to practice public speaking. Because honestly, I mean, I went to college and I don't remember a single thing that I learned there. <laughs> and I've hired people. I know people who hire lots of employees. And uh, resume stuff... I don't think people really pay as much attention to the classes you took or what your GPA is as much as people would like to think. But if you can show that you actually know how to talk to people, that you've developed that skill, so that's the best way to stand out in any field. Okay, so let's um, let's go into the format of how a meeting is constructed because I I can't remember, I think I was part of a one of these at one point in my career. I, am I so old that I can't remember belonging to a Toastmasters? <laughs> I think I actually am. Um, <laughs> Years ago, I remember attending. And so let's talk about the format of Toastmasters because it's a very precise format that you follow and it it works. Boy, does it work. It's a national association or international? International. International. Okay, we'll talk about the statistics of Toastmasters in general, but let's talk about that meeting and and what what one could expect. Siona, is that going to be you? Yes. Okay, Uh, come on. So we have a variety of roles. every in a single meeting uh, that we would like our members to fulfill. And um, it's not only about those specific roles, uh, it's also about specific um, experience that we'll get. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be talking about um, our counter and grammarian role. And this role um, is, for, um, is to announce the word of the day, um, which we will use uh, during our meeting time, um, and also um, count... As, um, the fellow words such as "ow" and "ums" uh, during the meeting. Oh, that's so mean! <laughs> <laughs> Very mean. <laughs> so they're the counter and the grammarian is one person. Yes. yes. So really quickly, how long is one meeting? Is it an hour or two? An hour. One, one hour. hour. That's lunch. efficient. Lunchtime on Tuesdays. And how many people call are are, are speaking during that hour? It really depends. If you, we usually, during a typical meeting, we'll have two speakers who have prepared speeches. Then we have something called table topics, which to me is the most exciting and the most scary portion of the meeting. In that that particular type of format, a person has some questions that they have written up or they find, and someone is picked out of the crowd, and you have to make up something and speak on it for a minute or two. So random. Random, correct. Completely random. Let's go back to the grammarian and the count. The grammarian and the counter. So they're counting all your... um, L's and M's, fellow words, um, as well as um, grammars in sentences. Correct use of a grammar in sentences. Um, And that's pretty much is the role for... We find a lot of people, like myself, really struggle with using ums and ahs a lot. And we try to train people to just pause when your brain is a little 
bit confused, if you just pause, kind of like William Shatner in Star Trek, you sound so much more powerful than when you go, um, uh, a lot. Is that where the pregnant pause comes from? That's where the pregnant pause comes. So you want to pause that really has a lot of thought behind it, It right? really does. Because what's happening, what's happening is when you are pausing and you're trying to collect your thoughts and get it together, you actually have a chance to be able to, if you've lost your way, to find your way quickly. Whereas if you say, ah, ums, it sort of muddies the picture, muddies the water, gums up the works, so, so to speak, so that you really, people are trying to wade through your ahs and ums to get to what you're trying to say, and sometimes it's better just to not say anything, wait till you're composed, and then say what you're going to say. Okay, so you've got your grammarian and your counter. Then what comes next? You have somebody, tell me tell me what comes next in your meeting. We have um, prepared speakers um, as well as... Um, Uh-oh, she said, um, no, I'm just eating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See how difficult it is? It's difficult. It's yeah. very, we try, we work on it all the time, so we're not infallible. So this we, is really, mm. this is a muscle you have to build then, isn't it? Correct. And, and you lose it quickly if you go out of practice, I find at least. <laughs> well, I, I'd have to say yes to you because, like I said, I, 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 I no, I'm just kidding. I, um, <laughs> See? I See? <laughs> did a lot of public speaking in my early 20s and I then came, became a mom and a business lady and didn't have to do, it wasn't called upon to do it at all. Correct. And somebody asked me the other day to come and represent something and speak at their meeting and I thought, oh, geez, I'm in trouble. I haven't done it in a long time. And I, by right, should be one of those people that doesn't have a fear of it. But um, but I think it's it's natural. Stephen King said, well, well, he was in the hospital for two weeks and he couldn't write. And he going back to writing, and he's Stephen King, was almost impossible because that muscle atrophies, his writing muscle. He said it took him at least a month to recover. If you don't walk for two weeks, you need physical therapy. It's the same thing with speaking. It's so true. Okay, so what's your favorite role, Siona, in the meetings? I hope it's not the grammar counter because that person it's probably toast has... ma- is the toastmaster of the day. Oh, so who okay. runs the uh, meeting and int- introduces the different roles. And I also wanted to add other roles: um, general evaluator, and greeter, vote, vote counter, timer, uh, pledge, and inspiration. These are the roles. How many other? So when somebody comes into a meeting, are you appointing them at that time? Or are they ready and prepared to play that role? Well, I, prior to the meeting, um, I give um, each person a specific role. And uh, they're responsible for their role um, to fulfill. And um, in case if there's an emergency, they just let me know. And we have someone else um fulfill that role. So now this is your role as vice president of your chapter, is that correct? Yes, exactly. Okay. So, so you sit down and you kind of divvy up the responsibilities before people get there. Yes. And then I make sure that we have all the roles fulfilled and all the members are um, attending for the meeting, during the meeting. And, and every role is designed to help you be involved in a group, learn some leadership skills and interact with people. Every role is focused on getting you better at communicating with all different kinds of people. So many times when our group is pretty popular, so I would worry that, oh, it will take me a while. I won't be able to give a speech every week. 
But whatever role you're doing, you're getting up there and speaking. You're explaining the role to the guests. You're introducing the guests. We do the Pledge of Allegiance, and then someone will bring an inspirational uh, poem or something that inspires them and share that. So you, there's no excuses. You never feel like you're not getting to practice public speaking, no matter what you're doing. But in other words, what you're saying is that just about everybody that is in attendance is going to be put on the spot. Yes. Okay. <laughs> which is good, which is precisely what you want to do. That's how you're going to strengthen that muscle is by putting you on the spot or giving you a little time to prep before you get put on the spot. But no matter what, everybody's going to pop up in front of the group and and either in a big way or a small way, a big way with the presentation or a small yes. way with um, they're going to have to say something in front of some a big group, right? Yes, correct. There's a disease in the society right now we're trying to work on eradicating, which is this PowerPoint addiction. I can't tell you how many, every business, anything now, it seems it's all PowerPoint. The art of being able to give an engaging speech without technology, where you can actually just connect with a human being, which is so much more powerful, uh, is seems to be almost lost. So we really try to focus on getting people to be so comfortable that they don't need any crutches like that. So you think of a PowerPoint as a crutch? Well, I think it can be at times. The One of the main problems is with anything, that you can overuse something or misuse something. And I think most people that use PowerPoint misuse PowerPoint. It is supposed to be a help to a presentation, to enhance a presentation, but then sometimes the PowerPoint becomes the presentation. Oh, very good point. And that's when you really lo- use, you lose the power of speaking. And we forget that this is only to enhance what you're trying to say. So we try to help, even with PowerPoint, we try to help someone in how to use PowerPoint effectively so that the speaker is still the focal point of the speech. Don't you feel like most speeches you see, people are just reading what's on the PowerPoint slide? Like they'll put a slide up there with tons of data information and they'll just read what's on the slide. And it's complete agony torture to (laughs) sit through a presentation like that. Absolutely. Go ahead, Siona. Unless otherwise, I was was going to add, if it's like a picture or a dynamic video, which will obviously, it's more than a word or... Yeah, you mean the picture says a thousand words kind of concept. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Well, you know, here's something, though, that's interesting, that's an interesting trend in education. And so this might speak to a little bit of why the genesis of the use of the PowerPoint became so popular, is because they started to learn that some people were visual learners and others were auditory learners. And I think maybe um, some people need to see to know before they they can take on new information or before it even processes. And I think the PowerPoint does that for the people that actually can't listen. You know? I, um, I agree. And I think, in again, if it's done correctly, it can be an extremely valuable tool in education, in speaking, in presentation, in all different areas that require communication. But what we don't want to see is a PowerPoint that's so chocked full of information that you're busy looking at the PowerPoint and you're not listening to anything the speaker says. You're not internalizing then. Correct. We are just making sure that whatever's being used is used optimally. And I think that's where the the visual learner really gets to understand what it is. So go ahead, Luke. You look like you have something to say. I just wanted to say, I think the key, this PowerPoint thing. My theory is, if you're going to use PowerPoint, just put one diagram, one picture up. So you're going to make a point. You want to do 
tell a story, make the point, then tell another story that reinforces the point. Mm -hmm. Great way to organize a section of a speech. Mm -hmm. So have your PowerPoint just be some outrageous picture or one diagram. If you're going to talk about uh, the best breakfast foods to eat, that's a silly example, you know, put up a picture of an omelet and just use that as a thing to reinforce, keep you on track and structure. Never read the just what's on the slide. Okay, so that's that's your pet peeve, which is totally ironic coming from a guy who was afraid to speak not so long ago. True, true. <laughs> very, I have a lot of opinions about the way the world should be. <laughs> well, you know, here you are on air, and now would be a great time to share them. <laughs> so, um, okay, so, uh, like, from what I remember in the days that I did public speaking, I, I recognized that there were people that wrote out their speeches, and I was not that kind of a public speaker. I would write out a very brief outline and I'd have one word triggers tell me it would it would trigger a train of thought. And I felt that I was a much better speaker if I would just use that one word trigger to trigger my line of thinking. And then everything I said from then on came from a total place of authenticity. And occasionally I'd miss a fact or two. But I felt like the general way to present for me worked better when I wasn't looking at the words I was going to regurgitate to the crowd. How do you address those types of speech givers in Toastmasters? Because there's people really process things differently. You really have to judge differently. And it's not really, sorry, wrong word, judging, because we're not judging anybody. But each person, we treat them individually. Because some people, they need to be able to organize their speech, whereas they're saying each word, because they're just not comfortable with, without doing that. And they're very great readers. They can read well and make you think as if they're speaking freely, and they're not. But it, it organizes their thought. They know where they're exactly where they're going to go, and it's perfect. There are those that, like, for instance, for me, I'm sort of like you in that instance, whereas I want to put a word down that triggers a thought. And then from that word, I'm able to speak. And that's good for me. But we try to match a type of speaking with the person itself, which instead of making sure it's cookie cutter for everybody, because that's not going to be any good. Okay. Luke? I like to write it out once and then practice it in front of a video camera. I have to practice so much because I Dude, you're serious. <laughs> yeah. So just <laughs> practice a little bit every day. It goes a really long way. So... You, I like to put a, the outline just like you do on different index cards and practice that way. Because if you practice a canned speech, it does have a tendency to sound, to sound canned. canned. Correct. But what an interesting side effect of that method is it improves your writing enormously. Because a lot of what makes good writing is is to sound in a conversational tone. What a great point. So if you're working on your speech, then you're practicing it away from the writing, then you go back and modify and use you start to see writing as a tool, a support to language as opposed to something completely separate. Okay. So it's it's a Tuesday afternoon and your meeting is about to happen. What does everybody do? What do you guys do? Do you have lunch together? What's what's it like? Where do you meet? We meet at Aldrich Hall. Is it Aldrich? Aldrich. Aldrich Hall. <laughs> and we're not allowed to bring food anymore, but you can eat right Bummer. before or go after. Yeah, I know. We're hungry. Yeah. <laughs> but it's worth it's worth fasting a little bit. <laughs> Twelve to one. Twelve uh -oh. to one. And we're gonna I think I'm gonna evaluate someone speaking. There's gonna be all sorts of different things going on. It'll be a lot of fun. 
Okay. So is there a room in Aldrich Hall that you meet? 107, right below the stairs. Just go down the staircase, and there's a sign that says Toastmasters, and you can't miss it. So Tuesday afternoons, every Tuesday, even all through the summer? Even all through the summer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Rain or shine. And um, what time do people, I'm sorry, how many people show up to your meetings? Two dozen, I would say. That's our normal turnout. Two right? dozen. Some, sometimes more, sometimes less. Okay. And how many regular members do you have? I think we're up to 23 now. Okay. And you're hoping to build, right? Correct. Absolutely. You yes. want to build that chapter. Okay, so now probably, Siona, would be a good time for you to tell us how to get a hold of your chapter, if anybody's interested. Um, yes, we ha- actually have a website, um, and our website is uh, sites.uci.edu uh, backslash Zotspeak. Zotspeak is Z-O-T-S-P-E-A-K, right? Exactly. And, I mean, even if you um, search in on UCI, uh, at UCI website, UCI directory, Zotspeak, it, the first thing that will come up is our website. Okay. Um, there was um, a story behind the name Zotspeak. Is that something you can tell us pretty quickly? Or somebody said, oh, what a it's great... It's something t- to do with all the anteaters. Anteating being our university mo- mascot. So a lot of clubs have Zot before them. I see. And we're okay. the speaking club, so we are Zot Speak. You're Zot Speak. Okay. Well, you know, it's such a fascinating concept behind uh, not, well, practicing your speech is what you were talking about earlier, Luke, because I watch a lot of TED Talks. It's one of my favorite things to do. And and also, if you relate that to um, your earlier admonition that you don't like PowerPoint presentations <laughs> or people <laughs> that present with them um, as a crutch... Um, Gosh, they the, everybody that talks about performing their TED Talk, they go and they do it in front of the mirror probably hundreds of times before they go up on uh, TED to present. It, so that's something that you really advocate to become a good speaker then, right? You really don't want to wing this stuff. Great speakers make it seem so easy. So we can start to think that, oh, it is easy. They just have natural talent. But the message that our club promotes is that anyone can learn to become better at speaking and it's a craft just like carpentry or anything else so you really want to practice and it's really fun to to see yourself get better every month and just to reinforce that as you know with seals she english is not her her first language so it takes so she's been learning to do this as she's learning this language as for me i when i grew up, i grew up as a horrible stutterer so oh. that allowed me to be able to try to practice what I'm doing without being afraid of speaking and stumbling over my words. Interesting. So you co- people come to you with all different, we'll call them uh, disadvantages or setbacks, would, would you say, that can work that out in this environment, in a safe environment? All ranges. All ranges. All ranges. Uh, well, give me some idea of the international student population, because that would be a really important feature here at UCI to help the students that want, um, want to work on language. Yes, we actually have a variety of undergraduate and graduate students from different departments in our school um, as a member. They participate regularly and they build on their skills. We have people who are brand new to speaking English, pretty much, and we have people who are great, great speakers, so pretty wide range. Correct. Are you afraid to invite too many new members because you don't want your group to get so big it's scary to present in front of? No way. (laughs) The more, the merrier. 
All right. Good. Yeah. So, well, it's so funny because one of my favorite TED Talks, when we talk about that educational aspect of informing people and getting people to listen in an engaging way, was a he was a professor that was talking about how education is getting so boring these days and is not engaging students in any kind of a meaningful way. I noticed on your background, Adrian, that, um, that you are a teacher at a Bible college. Yes, I am. And I found it to be one of the most interesting tie-ins where this gentleman um, supported the idea of of teaching in the schools much in the same manner that um, the gospel churches teach at um, in, in church and the way they reinforce the message. It was so fascinating. Like he said, I, pr- I present the main idea and then either we sing it because I noticed my kids are singing everything about science and the planets. They have a song for everything now, but then they reinforce it in, in a way. And he said, it's, 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 it's a way of engaging people that we need we need to up the ante, so to speak, and engage people in a different way because somehow or another the the um, the veil of all of the electronic devices that's come down over everybody's eyes has created a bit of a haze, wouldn't yeah. you say, in people? And you got to do something to bust through that haze. Um, has anybody seen that TED Talk or knows which <laughs> one I'm talking about? I just love the concept. I would say that it's really amazing to look at people and how to bring something to them. And one of the main challenges that you have is to make it relevant to the person who you're speaking to. It's all, it's all about relevancy. If you don't make it relevant to a child, the child's not going to listen. If you don't make it relevant to an adult, the adult's not going to listen. So you have to make it so that they feel like they have a stake in what you're saying, not that you, big person, me, teaching little person you but that we're sharing in something, and it's exciting. And the one thing about where you take it from a church or take it from a Bible college or something of that particular nature, and you're talking with somebody, you're letting that excitement come from you towards the student so that they understand that they want, that you want that student to be able to know as much as they can about what you're trying to tell them. And at the same time, you're letting them know you're buying into this. You're excited about it. And because of that excitement, you're able to say it in a way it's fluent. It becomes more, as you said, there's a cadence to it. Because I love that concept I'm, of the cadence. I mean, I mean, because there's a lot of, because you're trying to tell them in a way that it's soothing to them. It's, and it's not like it's forced. It's natural. It's something that comes from you. But it's not something that is, okay, you're a person that can do it and you're a person that cannot. As Luke said, it's something that you have to work at. It's a craft. You have to work at it constantly. But it's something that is also part of desire. So I think the main focus is if you want to bring something out, you have to show someone that you are, that you want them to be able to understand and learn what you have, that what you have is extremely important for them, whether it's gospel, whether it's mathematics, whether it's English, whatever it happens to be, you have to be excited about what you're saying and sell that excitement to that particular person. And and what I love about what we've discovered here today is the importance behind the mechanics of that. The Toastmasters does such a fabulous yes. job of addressing all those fundamentals. Correct. And it's those fundamentals that bring you to a really effective outcome when you're passing that message on to other individuals. Excellent. Um, if we haven't inspired you today, I don't, um, I don't know, maybe attending one of those meetings might be a, another way to inspire you to learn really about the mechanics of, of, of all the parts that go into really delivering an effective message. But, but more, more importantly, I think I'm inspired by why you would want to do it because 
because we're missing something in our connectivity to people to these days. And there's something really rich about um, the, the written word and the spoken word, wouldn't you say? I would say so. Absolutely. I would, what, what I would think, what I would say to those who are, who are trying to find a way to better themselves, you can never become too good. You can always practice your craft, no matter if you are just starting to speak and you're afraid of everybody or whether you're just a seasoned person who just rolls water. I mean, the words just rolls off your tongue like a water off the back of a duck. It doesn't matter. It's the way that you get practice. You're able to help other people if you want to do that. And you're able to really work within a, almost a family. And it works very well. And I love what you said, Luke, about not wanting to wing it. This is not something you wing. I think I've been in that position to wing it a little much, and I'm noticing that my progeny kind of wings it a bit, too. <laughs> my son was up all night last night writing a paper he should have written a week ago, <laughs> winging it. Um, I know that very well. <laughs> I, I make the kids listen to the radio show every night, so maybe they'll uh, they'll hear mommy say, don't wing it anymore. Um, but the real world is you, you, you got to up your ante, and, and you can't wing it, can you? Well, I th- I noticed something about the real world, which I was not expecting as a child, is that most people are winging pretty much everything. So if you don't wing it, that's one of the ways that you can really stand out. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a very good speaker, but if you actually practice, actually prepare, you're really going to stand out because other people you're going to be speaking with aren't really preparing. They're going to think, oh, I'll just get up there and talk about whatever, and it can go really wrong. That's why I knew I had to join Toastmasters is I got married a year ago, and my best man <gasps> gave a speech, and the poor guy was a complete uh, catastrophe. <laughs> And I asked him before, I'm like, do you have a speech? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I got it. And I saw him as I was going down the aisle, like scribbling something on a napkin. And I thought, uh-oh. And once he was up there, it's really sweet. The intention was so sweet. But he completely freaked out. It was a very, very painful thing to watch. And then I knew, okay, I need to not put this off forever. I really want to learn how to do this. Uh, it's so good. Now, one of the things that we talked about is we might have a few tricks um, to break the fear. Can you impart just a couple of those on us if, sure. if we can't get over to a meeting right away? So I spent a lot of money on therapy for social anxiety <laughs> and public speaking, and most things did not work. So a few things do work. One, which I don't know why I forgot it today, but if you wear a rubber band and you have to give a speech or something that's socially scary to you, whenever you your mind starts turning and you th- start worrying about this speech in the future, just snap that rubber band. Sounds silly, but it really works. Another thing that works is if you ever play solitaire on the computer or you play any kind of game with your friends or anything where you get a little winning feeling and you feel like, oh, I've won something, if you have a little perfume or something that smells a certain kind of smell, every time you feel, I did it, you take a little whiff of that. And before you go on to speak, you smell that thing, and it will take your mind to that place. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's Those actually work. Pretty bizarre. So for me, that would be lavender oil. I have really <laughs> cheap... I, I, should I find out what your scent is? I, I have know, cheap Albertsons kinda... perfume, and it, it dries <laughs> my... Albertsons uh, has perfume? <laughs> it's really, really bad. It drives my wife crazy. But I've trained so my like brain to associate that with self-confidence. <laughs> so it's, it's like some Dracard Noir, some bad aftershave. It is. That's exactly what it is. So don't do that. Get it like a scented candle or something. Uh, yeah, but you, what, are you going to take that to the podium with you? Or how does that work? Uh, yeah, I hide it. I hide it a little bit. Uh, you can put a little under your nose. Oh, my gosh. It really it works. 
about what about you, Sio? Do you have any tricks that you do to uh, to instill confidence when you're speaking? I really like when I start speaking, um, seeing people's head like moving and saying, "Oh yes," that gives me very like uh, the first confidence, or I, I would say the most and good point of continuing and staying in a calm situation, no stress or no. I like Anxiety. that. And that, that actually speaks to being a good audience member. And whether you're engaged or not, maybe uh, maybe your, need, your awareness can be increased that you're part of a process. And that mm-hmm. process is that you're being a supportive person as an audience member, just as the speaker is giving to you in the way that they want to impart the information they have to share. Mm-hmm. Really engaging hour. I'm so glad you guys took the time to spend with us. Any final thoughts? Thank you so much for having us. This really was a lot of fun. And please, anyone listening, come visit us. We're yes. really friendly people. We would love to have you. And wanted to go ahead with the website one more time. Um, yes, our website is uh, sites, S-I-T-E-S dot U-C-I dot E-D-U uh, slash Zutspeak. Okay. And if you just Google Toastmasters and look for your local club, they have us listed there too. Perfect. All right. Well, listen, I'm so grateful you spent the time with us today. Uh, thank you, Luke, for contacting Real People OC. And for anybody else out there, if you have something or a topic that you want us to share with, with the rest of us here at either UCI or Irvine at large, um, my pleasure to do so. So please give me a call um, or contact me through realpeopleoc.com. All right. Listen, everybody, thank you. It's been a great um, great few minutes, and um, I'll, I might I might just join you one of these days. You never know. Please do, please, please, do. please. You're always invited. It would be my pleasure. Thank <laughs> we, you. We really like to have guests, and as many times as you want. Uh oh, <laughs> I don't know if I have time to prepare though. But you know what? That shouldn't stop me, right? <laughs> no, no, not not whatsoever. <laughs> um, I forgot to ask: Are there any fees to joining? How does that work? It's about something like thirty dollars uh, every six months. It's pretty darn. It's pretty cheap. darn reasonable. Yes. Okay, fair enough. All right, good. Well, listen, everybody, have a great day and um, more to follow.